Hour number two, BetMGM tonight. Ryan Horvath, Rob Brown. We're here from the home headquarters tonight. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of everything tonight. Maybe even some college baseball. Rob says it's the best postseason in all of college sports. I don't know that I disagree. I am a big fan of the NCAA tournament, especially opening weekend, especially if you make your way to Las Vegas. I will talk some NFL. Might even have to get into some college football. But right now we're going to talk some Bears football with Aaron Lemming. 24-7 Sports Bear Report, SB Nation as well. Give him a follow on Twitter, Aaron Lemming NFL. All right, man, let's uh, start off with what I'm seeing on social media right now. So the Bears obviously have the number one overall pick in the draft. We all at least think it's most likely going to be Caleb Williams. They're going to get their quarterback of the future since Ryan Poles really doesn't have an attachment to uh, Justin Fields especially. But uh, what do you think happens next for Justin Fields? reportedly unfollows the team on Instagram. I'm seeing some reports. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe it's Pittsburgh. What do you think is next for Justin Fields? Is he the starter for the Bears week one, or is he elsewhere? And I think we maybe uh, have some audio issues right here, so we'll uh, get uh, Aaron on here in a second. I thought I was losing my mind, guys, because I never do this. Dylan, I never do this, Scott. But I did have myself muted there, but only because... I'm dealing with a little bit of a cough, Rob, and it's rude if I'm just coughing at you through my computer screen. Even though I can't physically get you sick, I don't want you to have to hear that. So uh, I do apologize. Anyway. No, listen, it's, Rob, it's, it's, you're, just, you're just a kind, gracious, giving person, Ryan, and we all know it, and we all appreciate it, bud. While we wait for Aaron here, um, what do you think the Bears should do with the number one overall pick? Are you a Justin Fields guy? Do you think... I know you're a uh, ACC, SEC guy. Do you think maybe it should be Drake May, Jaden Daniels, or do you think Caleb Williams is the safe pick with the highest ceiling? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in this draft. And it's it's it, to me, it's not particularly close. Like, I, I, I took a hefty flyer on Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman last year. In fact, I, I spent time in our college football preview show on Bet for the Cycle trying to to convince Cody Decker to throw down with me, trying to get him to put a ticket in, and he was real upset he didn't listen to me. There's nothing that kid can't do, right? He's he's like a tick shy of Mike Vick with the legs. He's got the precision down the field pass. There's not a pass he can't throw, and he processes the game well. I'm going to tell you right now, without Jane Daniels, LSU was a five, maybe six win team this year. He carried them to three or four additional just by being a well-rounded football player. Uh, I have no issue. If my options are Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Justin Fields, I got no issue sticking with Justin Fields. He's experienced. He's in the game. He knows the building. He knows the game plan. It's not like you got to coach a brand new player. But if you throw Jaden into that mix, it's a different game. If you're giving me Jaden or Justin Fields, I'm taking Jaden Daniels. Because I don't know what the roof is for Justin Fields, but I know it can't be that much higher than we've seen. At least I don't think. The ceiling to me for Jaden Daniels is like Lamar Jackson or higher. Yeah. I think he's that talented. So that's the move I'd make if I'm Chicago. I'll tell you the first move I'd make, I'd totally unfollow him right back on Instagram because like, dude, really unfollow? Like, grow up, dude. Like, grow up. Yeah. All right, let's talk with uh, Aaron Lemming right now. Covers the Bears, Bear Report, as well as for SB Nation, WC Gridiron. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us, man. So um, Bears with the number one overall pick. You know, I think they should go with Caleb Williams. I think he has the highest ceiling, especially because we're talking about an organization. I know Ryan Pace is no longer there. 
that passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Mitchell Trubisky. But uh, before we get into Justin Fields, the whole Instagram thing, what do you think the Bears should do with the number one overall pick? Well, I'm right there with you. I think the Bears should absolutely take Caleb Williams. I don't think they should overthink it. And I, I just, I think we're at this point where there's a lot of overthinking going on. There's a lot of storylines being created because we're just now getting in the off season before the acquisition period starts. But like you said, I mean, it's the, the Bears have made a career out of terrible quarterback decisions, and it's time that they finally take a big swing and, and get it right. Aaron Lemming joining us here on BetMGM tonight. Aaron, Rob Brown, great to have you on the show, bud. We are uh, obviously keeping track of the three, the big three, if you will, in Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels. Mylene's been on Jaden Daniels. I, I I think that dude, they did win a Heisman for fun. I think he's the best quarterback available. I'm not as high on Caleb Williams as everybody else. If you are, A, why, and B, how does that fit into the Chicago Bears system if they do decide to move on from Justin Fields? Well, so here's the thing, and there's going to be a slight bias in this, right? Because I am an Oklahoma fan. So, you know, I got Caleb, the Caleb Williams experience in his, in his uh, freshman season there at Oklahoma and obviously kind of a little heartbroken when he left uh, for USC. But I feel like in terms of his overall skill set, right, I feel like, you know, you're not going to get much better than what he has. I mean, he's got sneaky athleticism. He's got outstanding arm talent. I think he's got really good pocket awareness, pocket instincts as a whole. Um, he can make any throw on the field. I mean, obviously the big thing with him is he tends to freelance uh, too much, but I think a lot of that, at least in my opinion, a lot of the narrative from that has come from the 2023 season at USC. I mean, if you look at the difference between what you saw in 2021, especially 2022, his first year at USC and this last year, I mean, it was a polar opposite, especially if you're just comparing the two USC years in terms of, you know, how comfortable he looked, um, the superhero plays that he was attempting to make far too often. I mean, that was a much bigger thing in 2023 than it was when he had a better supporting cast, a better offensive line, uh, better receivers uh, the previous year. So I think really what you're looking for there is you're looking at a guy that, you know, at least to me has everything possible that you're looking for. And I know one of the big narratives in Chicago has been, and, you know, can this guy win on a big stage? Can he come to Chicago or, you know, come to Chicago and survive? And it's like, and again, I get it. It's college. Everything's different, but I watched him come out on the field with basically eight passes under his belt as a freshman, come into the game halfway through the second quarter against Texas as they're already getting their brains beat out come all the way back in his first like real true action as a, as a passer and come all the way back and make some outstanding throws. He had the one run that basically got him into the game. He had the, the, the game tying uh, throw to, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was Marvin Mims jr. In the end zone for the touchdown. I got everything tied up and it's like, that's the type of stuff, even as a freshman where I just, I don't know, man, you, you watch that kind of stuff and it's like, there's, there's something special there. And I, I just, it feels like, at least in my opinion, it feels like this last year and the way everything fell apart for USC and Lincoln Riley, it feels like that's being held more on Caleb Williams than it is, um, you know, than it should be as far as it's fit. I mean, I, it's obviously everything's going to be, Somewhat subjective. What I will say is, is he's been working with the QB collective, um, which actually his quarterback coach, his personal quarterback coach from that just got hired as the, uh, I think it was the Raiders quarterbacks coach, uh, Rick Scangrello. 
Um, so they have been working West coast offense. And I think that that's going to be, you know, probably one of the more translatable offenses out there. And I think if you watch Caleb Williams, the last two years at USC, when he's asked to basically drop back and get rid of the ball, whether it's on screen, whether it's on a short pass, if he knows where he's going, then he's actually really accurate. So I think that, that he can fit again. I'm not going to say that he can for sure, but I do think that he would be a fit in that type of offense, especially under Shane Waldron. I think uh, I'm fine putting this on record too. I think Caleb is going to be a, I, I think he's going to win a couple MVPs. I think Caleb Williams is the real deal. I really like Drake May. I really like Jaden Daniels. I like all three of those guys. After that, I don't really know. But um, as a Green Bay Packer fan, Aaron, it scares the hell out of me that it's going to be uh, Caleb Williams <laughs> going against Jordan Love twice a year for the first time in a long time. I think the Bears are building something. They got a ton of cap space. Two top 10 picks. I think they're going to end up with the quarterback of the future. Uh, but what's next then for Justin Fields? You know, right now Atlanta's the favorite, minus 130. Um, you know, the next favorite would be Pittsburgh around plus 350, and then it's plus 500 for him to go back to Chicago, which I just don't think is going to happen. So it looks like it's most likely going to be Atlanta or Pittsburgh. Um, you know, where do you think he ends up? And then what do you think it's going to take to land Justin Fields? I don't think the Bears are going to get another first-round pick. Is it a second? Is it a third-round pick? You know, what will they settle for, you think, here for uh, Justin Fields? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the Fields market's going to be interesting, right? Because I think if you listen to any of the insiders, whether it's Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, uh, some of these other guys talk about, oh, they could possibly get a first-round pick. And I'm, I'm there with you. I kind of look at this, and it's like, I mean, could they? Maybe. I, I don't see that as a, a very likely scenario. And it's, I think the biggest thing right now is you have to kind of figure out, you know, is Baker Mayfield staying in Tampa Bay? And if he's staying in Tampa Bay, then what is Kirk Cousins doing? Because if Cousins gets out on the market, you know, you talk about Atlanta, he could be a really good fit in Atlanta. I mean, that's exactly the type of offense that you'd want to see Kirk Cousins in. So it, it's one of those situations where, yeah, Atlanta and Pittsburgh make a ton of sense. It, the thing about Pittsburgh, that it, it's it's almost like they're going a little too over the top with, oh, we want to give Kenny Pickett one more year. To me, that just doesn't seem overly believable. I think, I don't know, it's, it's weird because you look at some of those teams and it's like the same regime is still in Denver um, that passed over, you know, passed over fields back in 2021. Um, you look at a team, you know, maybe maybe New England can make some sense if they say, hey, we don't really want to take the third quarterback off the board. We would rather, you know, trade back and, and, and build, you know, on what they've got in terms of, you know, they're, they're going into a, you know, flat out rebuild. Maybe it makes some sense for them to say, Hey, we'll give up a second round pick. Um, you know, it's just the, the problem with these types of markets. And we saw the same thing a few years ago with Sam Darnold is you don't really know what's going to happen until it happens. And you could have that one team that kind of comes out of nowhere. It could be the obvious team, but as far as, you know, overall return goes, I'm, my expectation is anywhere from a second or a third round pick this year and then something in return. So if it was a third round pick this year, I'd guess like a conditional third next year. Um, I think if they do end up getting a second round pick, I, I think you could see maybe like an inverse Sam Darnold trade where, with him, it was they got a fourth and a sixth um, the year that they traded them, and then the next year they got a second. So maybe in this situation, Fields would bring back like a second and then, you know, a fourth and a sixth next year or something like that. But I don't – maybe I'm wrong, and maybe maybe Pittsburgh really does end up biting the bullet and they send, you know, that, that low first-round pick to the Bears. But outside of that, I mean, I don't see a situation Atlanta's not going to send them unless it's a 2025 first-round pick. I don't see that happening. So – I think more than likely you're talking about a day two pick, maybe two, you know, in consecutive years, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. 
Aaron, do you think it's in the Bears' best interest to kind of let the market settle out? You mentioned some of the guys we're keeping an eye on, Mayfield and, and Pickett and Kirk Cousins. Do you think it's in the Bears' best interest to let this market kind of play itself out a little bit, or uh, is waiting till the draft the right decision? Or should Chicago, if they are looking to make a move, just go ahead and get it done while there's still pieces out there? Do you think there's a smarter way to play this for Chicago? I don't know that there is. I've gone back and forth on it. I originally thought that maybe you kind of let things play out in free agency. You, you see, again, where Mayfield goes, where Kirk Cousins goes, and then you kind of go from there. But then the, the other part of me is like, well, the quicker you strike, kind of like last year with them trading the number one overall pick, the quicker you strike, you know, the more you may end up getting because there's going to be certain teams. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that – may not be outwardly looking for a quarterback, but there are a lot of teams out there that could be in the market for a quarterback. So it's, it's one of those things where it feels like every offseason, it feels like there's, there's those teams that are kind of chomping at the bit that want to get something done early. So I, like I said, I've kind of gone back and forth. Ultimately, I think that them doing this, you know, sooner rather than later is probably going to benefit them more. I think that if you allow the free agent market to play out, then you're going to allow some of these teams to kind of pivot towards the draft and maybe they get further into the draft evaluations. They start talking to these guys. I mean, we see it all the time where somebody falls in love with, uh, you know, let's say a JJ McCarthy or Michael Penix or something like that. I mean, it's always possible where all of a sudden you could have, you know, you know, a, a situation or maybe a trade happens, you know, maybe Russell Wilson ends up getting traded instead of, you know, being able to sign with whoever he wants it just takes one or two teams to get knocked out of, uh, you know, that, that pool where you're looking for a quarterback and all of a sudden the bears don't have that type of market. So if I had to guess, I think that the the better play would be, you know, you, you get done with the combine, you lay those, you know, you lay those talks down, you kind of get things figured out and you strike, you know, right after the franchise tag deadlines over with, you strike, you get a deal done. That way you can go into free agency, knowing what you have in terms of draft capital, um, you, you know, knowing what you have in terms of, you know, cap space, stuff like that. And then also have a, you know, a better idea of what you're going to be able to do in the draft. Cause if they get a second round pick that may change their approach a little bit to, you know, forcing a receiver or forcing an edge rusher at nine. Aaron, great stuff. Actually, we got like 30 seconds. If you're a Steelers fan or if you're an Atlanta fan, um, are you confident that Justin Fields could win in this league? Is he a one-read quarterback? Like, what's the knock? We only got about 30 seconds. Sorry, man, to put you on the spot. No, I, no, I, I think Justin Fields, I think a lot of his failures have a lot more to do with the Bears organization than it does Fields. I think if he goes to the right situation, I think he can still succeed. I, I do think that he would actually be a really good fit in uh, Zach Robinson's uh, offensive scheme. Um, but. It's just going to take the right coaching and some patience. But I, I still think he has a future in the league. It's just going to be the right coaching staff. Thanks so much, Aaron Lemming. Check him out. Really good stuff. Bear Report. BetMGM tonight. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. BetMGM tonight continues. Ryan Horvat, Rob Brown holding it down here. Tuesday night, February 20th. I keep having to remind myself what day it is because after football season, they all just kind of blend in. It's, it's like Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray. I just feel like every day is the same day. I am excited, though. Creighton, UConn, about to tip off here in nine minutes. Big bet for me on Creighton. We had Jim Root on earlier from the Three Man Weave. Check out the podcast. Does great work. But, Jim... Cheering against you tonight, bud. He likes UConn. Makes sense. They've won 14 straight. Uh, I'm going to roll with Creighton. 
it's an ugly night for me, though. Although Creighton is a good basketball team. I think Creighton's going to be scary come March. Obviously, we know how good UConn is, and they're the defending national champs. Um, don't want to toot my own horn, but beep, beep. Good call so far on Missouri. They're up 40-33 to on number five, Tennessee. Missouri has eight wins this season. They're up seven. They're now two-and-a-half-point dogs. Played them at 13. Played them again at 12-and-a-half. Total in the game, 136-and-a-half. One that I stayed away from, I kind of liked NC State tonight. Glad that I did stay away, Rob. They're down a 64-56 right now to Syracuse. Total in that game, 175 and a half. Arkansas, up 39-37 on Texas A&M. Total in that one, 140 and a half. And then, like I said, starting in seven minutes, UConn, two and a half point favorites on the road, taking on Creighton. Uh, total in that game, 144 and a half. Baylor coming up in 37 minutes, four and a half point dogs on the road to BYU. Total in that one, 153 and a half. And then another couple good ones, actually. Uh, San Diego State tonight, Utah State, huge conference game. Utah State's a two and a half point favorite at home. It is minus 115 to back them. Total's 145 and a half. Jim talked about that. He likes Utah State tonight. Likes to throw them in a money line parlay. And then uh, TCU, Texas Tech also coming up in about 37 minutes. Tech tonight, a five and a half point favorite. Total in that game, 147 and a half. No NBA. Season resumes on Thursday night. We do have some NHL, though. Right now, the Capitals at home up 2-1 on the Devils. They're minus 210 on the money line. Live total is 6.5. The Panthers up 1-0 on the Senators. Islanders up 2-1 on the Penguins on the road. They're minus 350 on the money line. Total in that game, 6.5. The Rangers up 2-1 on the Stars. Uh, That one's been taken off the board right now. And then the Wild and the Jets are scoreless in the first period, 12.30 to go. Five and a half is the total. Still to come tonight, the Avalanche, minus 145 favorites against the Canucks at home. And the Golden Knights in Las Vegas, minus 145 favorites against the Predators, who are plus 120 on the money, uh, money line, and that total six. Rob, it's my favorite time of the year, other than the fact that we don't have uh, actual games. But I love draft season, man. My best bet, my biggest bet right now, Marvin Harrison, the first non-quarterback to be drafted. I tried to talk Nick into this. He bit. Tried to talk Peach into this. I don't think he wanted a piece at the time. Minus 185. That's now minus 700, I saw. Uh, but I also, I like free agency. You can't win Super Bowls. I don't think in the NFL you win Super Bowls through free agency. You have to hit on your draft picks. Like if you're the Rams and you go all in and you make a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. and Jalen Ramsey, I mean, that helps. But I mean, you have to hit on your draft picks. But uh, free agency, always fun. And also... It's franchise tag season. Nobody wants the franchise tag, especially wide receivers. Let's start with Brian Burns. Carolina has $28.6 million of cap space. Where do you think Brian Burns is playing football week one next season? Do you think the Panthers uh, use the tag? Oh, yeah. No, that's not even a question. That's a statement. That's not a prediction. That's a spoiler alert. If Brian Burns can't come up with an extension with Carolina, they're going to tag him. He is heart and soul of that team agent zero means too much to the team and to the folks in charlotte to watch that guy walk that being said i'm very confident he's getting his extension and it's because of that reason i think with charlotte going through what they're going with carolina going through what they're going through right now uh they went as i said they would have to with an experimental head coach. I look, I don't know if Dave Canellis is going to be the guy or not. I think it's an interesting pick when you're trying to fix Bryce Young that you went with a guy who got Russell Wilson back on his game enough to get a big trade done. A guy who basically won Geno Smith, the NFL Comeback Player of the Year award, and then took broken Baker Mayfield, and he just had a damn career year in Tampa. This guy's had three straight quarterbacks 
that he has taken and dragged upwards. And, and so you're hoping that when you give him a fresh, young, moldable guy like B.Y., he can get it done. But the risk that you run there, and I'm very happy that Carolina brought back Ijero Ivaro as the defensive coordinator, you've got to have consistency on that side of the football while the offense cooks under an offensive head coach. I think that's why they fought so hard to keep Ijero Ivaro in the mix. Brian Burns is that consistency. Right? Like he is that locker room guy. He's that guy that keeps everybody gelled around him. So I'm going to go ahead and call the shot. If they can't get an extension done, Brian Burns is getting the tag. That being said, I would not be shocked if before the draft, both Burns and Derek Brown, because he's kind of the other guy, that dude had a whale of a season in the middle of that defensive line. Both of those guys are going to get paid this offseason. That's not a question, that's a statement. Yeah, completely agree, man. And Brian Burns, I was actually shocked that they didn't trade him a couple seasons ago. Remember when they were sellers at the deadline, they moved McCaffrey, but then they had a nice little second half of the season. I like Brian Burns. Um, one of the bigger names as far as uh, free agency, possible free agency, T. Higgins. And I think Cincinnati's going to go all in for one more season, for one more chance at a ring. I mean, they gave Joe Burrow all that money, right? They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. They're going to have to still pay guys on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to be able to keep T. Higgins, I don't think, long-term. Do they go all-in for one more season, Super Bowl or bust? Here's the thing. Even if they try to use the franchise tag, like I know T. Higgins likes playing in Cincinnati. They got the little rivalry going on with Kansas City. They just watched Kansas City win back-to-back Super Bowls. You know what I mean? But everybody wants to get paid. And especially if you're a wide receiver, if you're a running back, it's a lot different if you're a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like you're getting the guaranteed money, or at least you're getting the years. Whereas with a wide receiver, with a running back, if T. Higgins plays on the franchise tag, injures himself, is he getting that next big contract? I mean, sure, he's going to get another contract, but he's going to lose money. Guys don't want to play for the franchise tag, under the franchise tag anymore. We saw this with Devontae Adams a couple seasons ago in Green Bay, right? First, they offered to make him the highest paid wide receiver, but they did it one season too late. He wanted that deal the previous summer. So then they tried to use the franchise tag to go all in for the last dance with Aaron Rodgers. And he was like, look, I love playing with this Hall of Fame quarterback. I know this is probably my best chance to win a ring, but I'm going to get paid. I'm going to go to Vegas, play for my childhood team, play with one of my buddies. Like who's to say T Higgins won't do the same thing and be like, look, I'm not playing under the franchise tag this season. So yeah, Cincinnati's going to want him back. Maybe they try to use the tag. But I don't know, man. I, I think he's going to want to get paid, and I think T. Higgins deserves the deal. I know he had a down year, but he was also beat up this season. What do you think ends up happening there? Because I think they need him, man. I think Joe Burrow needs T. Higgins. I agree. I, I think that I think that chemistry is there, but more importantly, I think Joe Burrow was at his game uh, at his top because of T. Higgins being able to pull pressure away from from Jamar. Right? Uh, you 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 are able to open up the field. For Joey Ice, and I I love him in that offense, but I don't think it works unless you've got the replacement in mind. But look, I'm looking to, you know, I, I cover the Carolina Panthers. They are desperately looking wide receiver. There's not a ton available. There's not a lot out there. If you want to go wide now, it's a deep crop of wide receiver in the NFL draft, and that's the good news. But I kind of feel like, and I don't know if you agree, it kind of feels like the Cincinnati Bengals are watching that window close up a little bit, right? Yep. Unless they they rejuvenate. 
And so you have option one, which is we take a year to kind of get some new guys in here, get some young blood and build them up around Joey B. Or option two is you go chips on the table right now. And I think to do that, you've got to tag T. Higgins to keep that chemistry together. So, no, I I agree. I think he is a Bengal next year. I think he might be even willing to accept the tag for a year to go all in. But if it doesn't work this year for Cincinnati, he will force his way out next time around. You know, I mean, the more I look into this, though, $20 million is a lot of money, and that's how much they would have to pay him. That's how much the tag would be for T. Higgins, $20.7 mil to keep him around. So, yeah, I mean, I would probably take that deal. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's going to want to get that done. What do you think Dallas does here? Because Derrick Henry, free agent, we see the workout videos. I just, we keep hearing, like, I love Derrick Henry, man. Austin Eckler. Also, most likely going to be a free agent. I don't think there's any chance the Chargers are bringing back Austin Eckler. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Harbaugh taking over. I love Justin Herbert, but there's a good chance Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both gone. And then who's wide receiver number one? They have the fifth overall pick, which could be Malik Neighbors. But then who's wide receiver number two? Is it Quentin Johnston? Uh, But I don't know, man. Like, I almost admit the point where I value the running back position. But, like, look at these guys that come out. Like, look at a Jameer Gibbs, obviously, like, Bijan, the guys that go in the first round. But look at the value you could find in the third, fourth round if you have a good enough offensive line. Like, what do you do if you're Dallas, right? Do you go and pay Derrick Henry, who's approaching 30 years old and has that workload the last four or five seasons, all those rushing attempts, all those carries? Or do you draft somebody, you know, like Brooks? Um, Because the same question, like, what what does Dallas do here? Because Tony Pollard... They used the franchise tag on him last season. So are they going to tag him again? I mean, he had a down year, 252 carries, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, average four yards per carry. He just he kind of didn't look like an every down back. So do they give him that raise from $10 million to $11 million, Or is he elsewhere? What do you think Dallas does at the running back position? I uh, Listen, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm absolutely draft a running back guy. And I'm, yeah, and it's not just for Dallas. That's for every team. Like you just said, we're to the point now. I, I, I enjoyed the drama last year of the of the running back council. Remember when all those guys got together and they were, oh, we're all going to hold out. We're all, until one guy got the bag, and then all the dominoes very quickly fell. It's a nice idea. It's a nice concept. But yes, we're at a spot. In fact, I was looking the other day, and. There's a rumor that New Orleans might be willing to trade Alvin Kamara for like a fifth or a sixth round pick just to get him off the books and move on for a big chunk of cash. As a Saints fan, that breaks my sad little heart. But you also kind of, if you pay attention to the business side, you kind of have to understand, right? The Saints are in cap hell. You got to make that room. I kind of look at Dallas and go, why would you not go try? And I listen, I know there's not a lot of Bijan Robinsons out there. All right. That's why that kid got drafted where he was. Special player, no doubt. But there's a handful of pretty good running backs this year, and you can look at locking up some other guys that you need to get locked up, utilizing that money. I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry might be my, outside of Christian McCaffrey, favorite running back in the NFL right now. But like you said, wrong side of 30. Yeah. Had a lot of up and downs this year. And I know I blame a lot of it on Tennessee, Ryan. But there were two or three games where Derrick Henry would go for a buck 10 at a touchdown, and the number the next week was 42 and a half yards. And you're like, bang, slam the under, that's free money. And the Derrick Henry goes off for 11 yards and nothing, right? Like, he was yeah. so wildly inconsistent this year. And you can blame it on Vrabel. You can blame it on the Tennessee offensive line, which was god-awful. 
But that doesn't change oh, what the numbers were. And if I'm Dallas, knowing that – I know we say this every year about Dallas. They don't get it done this year. McCarthy's gone. Dak is gone. The coaching yeah. stat. J.J. will have to turn it over this year. I'm shocked he didn't do it already. But this next year, I think, is the first time that I'm going to lean in and say, if it's not done this year, they got to go. So I need that money yeah. elsewhere, especially when you got breakout young wide receivers that are going to need money down the road. I can't justify a Derrick Henry. I can't justify an $11 million contract when there are guys like Jamar Gibbs out there getting it done for way less money. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, give me a Bucky Irving in the second or third round. All right, really quick, let's do this then. I'm going to throw out some names. Uh, let me know what you would do if you're the organization, if you're the GM here. Do you tag them or do you let them walk? Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. The uh, Bucks have 36.9 in cap space. Also, there's a chance Baker is going to want to get paid. What do you do with Mike Evans? I would, if I'm Tampa Bay, I want to keep Mike Evans. I think my, I think you've got, you look at Godwin, he's successful because of Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield, successful because of Mike Evans. To me, Mike Evans is the key to that offense. It was not the run game. I'm 100% tagging him if I have to. And if it means I got to let Baker walk, so be it. Uh, I love Baker Mayfield. Pay the man. He brought you to the damn playoffs out of the worst division ever, but he did what he did. Mike Evans is catching a tag if my other option is to let him walk over somebody else. All right, here's the big one. Saquon Barkley, who, again, he's a running back, but he's a running back in that offense, and most likely Daniel Jones is back behind center. Uh, 962 rushing yards, six touchdowns, only 3.9 yards per carry. He would get a raise from 10 mil to 11 mil only. The Giants can afford, they have 19.5 million in available cap space. What would you do with Saquon? I'd probably bring him back, man. Listen, I would love to. I think you're facing two things. Number one, we just talked about it. It's money at the running back spot. Like, I... For me, I can't spend that much time talking about Tony Pollard and going, it's not worth paying, and then turn around and the very next running back go, oh, except except in this case, in which case it makes perfect. No, it doesn't. And let's be real, Ryan, you don't think Saquon's happy in New York. I don't think Saquon's happy in New York. He doesn't exactly do a wonderful job of disguising it. If I can get something back for the guy, great, as much as I love him, between the disgruntledness, I don't know if that's a word, but that's what I'm going with, and the injury history of Saquon Barkley, I got to move on, man. It sucks. I hate it because I think that guy can be a beast, but I got to move on to stay consistent, brother. All right, 30 seconds. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. You let him walk. You think in future J.J. McCarthy, or you bring him back Kirk for one more run? I Listen, I like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was not the reason the Vikings are the Vikings. All right, I love him. I'm a big Costco guy myself. Big Kirkland shirt with short sleeves guy over here. Kirk Cousins, no. Justin Jefferson and the gang need somebody better than Kirk Cousins. Sorry. Love you, Kirk. Team Coles Cash. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, still to come tonight. Major League Baseball win totals up next. Pick one. Bet MGM tonight. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And welcome back. BetMGM tonight continues. It's Rob Brown, Ryan Horvath with you here on a Tuesday night. Uh, I was just saying during the break, Rob, I can't wait to tell my grandkids about Tennessee, Missouri. Tuesday, February 20th. Where were you? Uh, Missouri just gave up the lead, though. Oh, man, and now it's a four-point game. 53-49, I'm just going to shut my mouth. Tennessee back to being a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Total in the game, 140-and-a-half. How about this? Syracuse is shooting lights out, but here comes NC State. Now 74-71. NC State trails by just three. They're one-and-a-half-point dogs. 
They closed the six and a half point favorites in this game. Live total, 175 and a half as Missouri hits a big three to make it a 53-52 game. All right, no live play-by-play, I promise. Arkansas, looking pretty good the last week, actually. Looking better, I should say. Up 48-40 right now on Texas A&M. They were huge dogs again tonight. One and a half point spread. Total in the game, 132 and a half. UConn Creighton about to get underway. Uh, Creighton's going to close as a two and a half point dog. Total in the game, 144 and a half. This is what I've been waiting for all night long. I like Creighton. I also, uh, during the break, played a little Creighton-Wisconsin Moneyline Parlay. Two to one odds. Why not here on a Tuesday night? Have a little fun. All right, Rob, you weren't with us on Monday. Uh, We talked a little bit about the All-Star game. Apparently, there was an All-Star game. Nobody else knew about it. The NBA players didn't know about it. I tried to get into it. I bet uh, Devin Booker to win MVP. Uh, I bet Jalen Brown to win the dunk contest. Didn't touch anything in the three-point competition. I did have the Pacers winning the skills competition, figuring, you know, this thing's in Indianapolis. This is probably their best shot to bring home an award this season. But I just can't get into it anymore with the All-Star game, man. And I don't know that there's a way to fix it. And here's why I say that, right? The season is too long. And I've never been a the season's too long kind of guy because I grew up loving 90s basketball, going to Bulls games. We had season tickets. And then they played back-to-backs. They played back-to-backs back in the day in the playoffs. Guys like Jordan, Rodman, Pippen, they played all 82 games. Well, not so much Rodman because he would miss like two weeks. He'd be in Las Vegas. Phil Jackson would just allow that. He'd be partying with uh, Carmen Electra and Madonna. But, you know, it's just like the league's different now, man. And every year we get into the postseason, we get into the playoffs, and guys are hurt. You know, like one season it's Jamal Murray's out or it's Kawhi Leonard's out or Paul George's out. The season's just too long and guys are making way too much money. I mean, I'm not saying they're not competitive, but everybody just gets along. They're making millions of dollars. I don't think anybody's ever going to care about the All-Star game because the season is so long and it takes, there's so much wear and tear on your body playing every night, right? Logging all these minutes that I don't think anybody's ever going to care because it's always going to be a week of vacation. You know what I mean? Like if we do this, we love our jobs, right? We do this year round. We still need five to six days, maybe longer to get away. And that's what these guys need. So I don't know, man. I mean, there's a couple ideas that the athletic has, but what would you do to fix the all-star game? Do you think it needs to be fixed? Look, Decker and I talked about this uh, last Saturday because we we played our Parlay View Parlay Challenge on it. Uh, Decker had the idea of make it a – Team USA TV Team World event. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how that changes anything, right? Like, I mean, if 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 guys have that much passion and pride, they're trying out for Team USA, not worried about the M- the NBA All Star game. Uh, the reality is exactly what you said. It's a very long season. We are talking about a season, and I don't have a problem with it. Before we get there, but we're already talking about a season where the big story this off season was what. You got to play 65 games if you want to be eligible for postseason awards. We we already, a good chunk of America feels like load management is, is a negative, is a problem in the world of the NBA. And now you're like, hey, the best of y'all, we actually need you to play one more game. We actually need you to throw one more on top of the pile. Look, they don't, I'm not going to say they don't take it seriously, but they're not going to do anything that's going to put their asses on the line. They're not going to do anything that creates no. a situation where they come down wrong off a dunk and get toppled onto the noggin, get a concussion, and they're out two or three weeks, especially considering the races are tight in both sides right now, right? Like two through nine on both sides is a log jam to the point that a superstar going out for, for a week 
with a with a with a deep bone bruise that they suffered throwing down a windmill in the All-Star game could cost you. It could be the difference from the four to the six seed. It could be the difference from the six seed to a play-in game as opposed to an outright seed. So uh look, there, there's no way to fix the all-star game. I think you just kind of lean into the Pro Bowl element of it. Like, let's just create something that's not in the Pro Bowl. We've created something that's not football. We we got the flag football game. Those guys get to go out there and have a good time, but it's not it's not football. And then we have all the 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 obstacle courses and the relay races and offensive linemen running through walls and pushing each other on weight carts and all that. Come up with something like that. Come up with the like the cool hip version of that in basketball that allows these guys to showcase their freakish athleticism but also doesn't ask too much out of them to where they feel like it's going to detract from the season. The reality here, Ryan, is there's no way to fix the game. The only way to yeah. fix the game is to to maybe allow, I don't know, maybe allow every NBA All-Star to pick a proxy from the league, right? To pick somebody from their team to represent them in the All-Star yeah. game and do, I don't know, man, like I, I think you're going to have to be creative because I don't think there's a way you make the game entertaining with the all-stars on it for all the reasons that you just mentioned. You know what you could do, right? Is you could have, all right, so it's East versus West. And let's say, like you said, everybody's like right on top of each other in the Western Conference this year. The East, not so much. Like the bottom teams are garbage. They have no business being in the playoffs. So to make this more competitive, how about the winner, East versus West, gets an extra playoff team? 16 teams get in the playoffs. Well, now we got the whole play-in tournament, so pretty much everybody gets in. You should have it like East versus West, right, and have captains. Like you have, you know, Giannis uh, going against uh, Kawhi, right? And let's say, no, nah, because even that, though, I, I was going to say you should be able to, like, steal a player from the East team once you get to the NBA Finals, like the Western Conference wins the All-Star game. I don't know. Here's what the athletic has, man. I'm losing my mind with the all-star game. Um, so John Hollinger had this idea, right? You expand each conference's all-star roster to 14 players each. You split these teams or these rosters into four teams of seven players each. And then each play a round robin series of games with target scores instead of time limits. John says there's more to figure out here, but he likes the seed of the idea. Kind of like the Rising Stars did. Uh, another option really quick. Um, remember the NBA just two months ago made us care about the in-season tournament, a thing it invented and started this year. The easy thought is just to give the All-Star game a big cash prize. Maybe that's ham-fisted, but hey, I cared about December's NBA game. So that's what Hollinger had. Do you think like more cash? But here's the thing, man. The guys, here's why that doesn't work, I don't think. The guys that are playing in the All-Star game, are all superstars. Most of them have already signed the Supermax. They're all rich. You know, like how many of them are still playing on rookie deals? Not many. So I don't think that they're going to care about an extra 75 Gs, even like a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like what's LeBron going to care about? He's a bad example. He'll probably care about the $1 million. But look, what's Kyrie going to care about? Or Luka or Kawhi, any of these guys going to care about? An extra three days of rest? or an extra $1 million that they could just make an endorsements anyway. Like that's one day of work. They could go shoot a zipping commercial and there's a million. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, look, I, yeah. I, I like the idea. You have two things that you can do. You can incentivize or you can make it about pride. Well, 
there's no pride in East versus West. Nobody cares. Nobody's ever cared. It's 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 look at the NFL. Nobody cares about AFC NFC until it gets to be the the, the Super Bowl. Nobody cares about East v West. I don't know if there's a way that you can incentivize it per team, right? Like if if right. uh, if every team represented by the Western Conference All Stars, every team gets this some sort of perk. Maybe they get. Uh, I don't know. They 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 the salary cap is bumped up by a million dollars for every team that has a representative on the. I don't know. Make something up. You have to incentivize, uh, and I don't think that money is it, or at least not a reasonable amount of money, right? Like, yo, hundred million dollars yeah. per play. Okay, we can't do that. A million dollars, like you said, LeBron might be interested in a milli, but at this point in his career, he's as interested in a ring as he is a milli, right? So yeah. I I don't even know if that works. Um. I, I genuinely I don't know what you do. I I don't know. I've sat for two days thinking about it because I am, I'm a big NBA guy. I'm a staunch NBA defender. Always have been. Sunday night, I was out at a watering hole. I sat down to watch this game. I made it 17 minutes and I got up and walked away because I was going to have more fun sitting on a back porch, listening to live music, drinking Jaeger bombs with my friends yeah. than I was going to watch than I was going to watch this game. And I love basketball. I will be watching it every night for the rest of the NBA season. The All-Star game is just dead as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know what the fix is. I don't think the game can be fixed. I think the best you can do is come up with some skills challenges that allow these guys to show off, allow these guys to be freak athletes, does not push them too much, doesn't ask too much of them, gives them a chance to put their jersey on display and sell some merch, and then let's go from there. Because the, I, I, I think, I, I don't think, I agree with you, Ryan. To me, probably one of the biggest NBA defenders in the Carolinas, the game died. The All Star Game died Sunday night. It was the first yeah. time ever that I went. I'm. I think I'm good. I think I'm good, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, I even said to my wife, I was like, "This game sucks," and she said, "You say this every year, and yet you continue to watch these." And I was like, "You know what? No, I'm not going to watch this one." And I turned it off. I still went back and watched it on uh, the old uh, recording <laughs> DVR because I had to do my job. You know, Scott puts in the chat here, uh, FIBA does Worlds. What about a World Cup international type? I would like that. I think we would get rolled, though. I think, like, we might not do so well. I, I don't know. Or maybe we would roll. I don't know. Like, Jokic, Luka, um, you look at all the Canadian players. I think that might be interesting. The, the problem is here, Dylan puts $5 million for the uh, All-Star Game MVP. That would motivate some of these guys for sure, 5 mil. But I think the issue, too, is the in-season tournament. Guys actually cared and bought in. And I know it's, like, part of the 82-game schedule. But like you said, Rob, like you're asking them now to care about another game and already a long season, and I just don't know that it's going to happen. They make too much money. All right, when we come back, we're going to try to make some money with some win totals. We're going to dive in here in February. There's a couple that I really like, man, uh, that I want to hit on. I want to pick your brain on these. Bet MGM tonight, Rob Brown, Ryan Horvath. When we come back, we're talking Major League Baseball. Uh, fading UConn may have been a big mistake. They're down. Actually, they're up 11-5. to And Missouri falling apart right now, right in front of my eyes. You hate to see it. BetMGM tonight continues. Hour number three next. Talking win totals in Major League Baseball. Rob Brown, Ryan Horvath here on the BetQL Network.